0: Chapter 19 of Bracebridge Hall by Washington Irving This LibriVox recording is in the public domain A Bachelor's Confessions I'll have a private pensive single life The Collier of Croydon I was sitting in my room a morning or two since reading when someone tapped at the door and Master Simon entered he had an unusually fresh appearance he had put on a bright green riding coat with a bunch of violets in the buttonhole, and had the air of an old bachelor trying to rejuvenate himself. He had not, however, his usual briskness and vivacity, but loitered about the room with somewhat of absence of manner, humming the old song, Go, lovely Rose, tell her that wastes her time and me and then, leaning against the window, and looking upon the landscape, he uttered a very audible sigh. As I had not been accustomed to see Master Simon in a pensive mood, I thought there might be some vexation preying on his mind, and I endeavoured to introduce a cheerful strain of conversation, but he was not in the vein to follow it up, and proposed that we should take a walk. It was a beautiful morning. Of that soft vernal temperature that seems to thaw all the frost out of one's blood and to set all nature in a ferment the very fishes felt its influence the cautious trout ventured out of his dark hole to seek his mate the roach and the dace rose up to the surface of the brook to bask in the sunshine and the amorous frog piped from among the rushes if ever an oyster can really fall in love, as has been said or sung, it must be on such a morning. The weather certainly had its effect upon even Master Simon, for he seemed obstinately bent upon the pensive mood. Instead of stepping briskly along, smacking his dog-whip, whistling quaint ditties, or telling sporting anecdotes, he leaned on my arm and talked about the approaching nuptials, from whence he made several digressions upon the character of womankind touched a little upon the tender passion and made sundry very excellent though rather trite observations upon disappointments in love it was evident that he had something on his mind which he wished to impart but felt awkward in approaching it i was curious to see to what this strain would lead but i was determined not to assist him indeed i mischievously pretended to turn the conversation and talked of his usual topics dogs horses and hunting but he was very brief in his replies and invariably got back by hook or by crook into the sentimental vein at length we came to a clump of trees that overhung a whispering brook with a rustic bench at their feet the trees were grievously scored with letters and devices which had grown out of all shape and size by the growth of the bark, and it appeared that this grove had served as a kind of register of the family loves from time immemorial. Here Master Simon made a pause, pulled up a tuft of flowers, threw them one by one into the water, and at length, turning somewhat abruptly upon me, asked me, if I had ever been in love. I confess the question startled me a little, as I am not over-fond of making confessions of my amorous follies, and, above all, should never dream of choosing my friend Master Simon for a confidant. He did not wait, however, for a reply. The inquiry was merely a prelude to a confession on his own part, and after several circumlocutions and whimsical preambles, he fairly disburthened himself of a very tolerable story of his having been crossed in love. The reader will very probably suppose that it was related to the gay widow who had jilted him not long since at Doncaster races. No such thing. It was about a sentimental passion that he had once had for a most beautiful young lady who wrote poetry and played on the harp. He used to serenade her, and indeed he described several tender and gallant scenes in which he was evidently picturing himself in his mind's eye as some elegant hero of romance though unfortunately for the tale i only saw him as he stood before me a dapper little old bachelor with a face like an apple that had dried with the bloom on it what were the particulars of this tender tale i have already forgotten Indeed, I listened to it with a heart like a very pebble-stone, having hard work to repress a smile while Master Simon was putting on the amorous swain, uttering every now and then a sigh, and endeavouring to look sentimental and melancholy. All that I recollect is that the lady, according to his account, was certainly a little touched, for she used to accept all the music that he copied for her harp, and all the patterns that he drew for her dresses and he began to flatter himself, after a long course of delicate attentions, that he was gradually fanning up a gentle flame in her heart, when she suddenly accepted the hand of a rich, boisterous, fox-hunting baronet, without either music or sentiment, who carried her by storm after a fortnight's courtship. Master Simon could not help concluding by some observation upon modest merit and the power of gold over the sex as a remembrance of his passion he pointed out a heart carved on the bark of one of the trees but which in the process of time had grown out into a large excrescence and he showed me a lock of her hair which he wore in a true lover's knot in a large gold brooch i have seldom met with an old bachelor that had not at some time or other his nonsensical moment when he would become tender and sentimental talk about the concerns of the heart and have some confession of a delicate nature to make. Almost every man has some little trait of romance about his life, which he looks back to with fondness, and about which he is apt to grow garrulous occasionally. He recollects himself as he was at that time, young and gamesome, and forgets that his hearers have no other idea of the hero of the tale, but such as he may appear at the time of telling it, peradventure, a withered, whimsical, spindle-shanked old gentleman. With married men, it is true, this is not so frequently the case. Their amorous romance is apt to decline after marriage. Why, I cannot for the life of me imagine. But with a bachelor, though it may slumber, it never dies. It is always liable to break out again in transient flashes. And never so much as on a spring morning in the country, or on a winter evening, when seated in his solitary chamber, stirring up the fire, and talking of matrimony. The moment that Master Simon had gone through his confession, and, to use the common phrase, had made a clean breast of it, he became quite himself again. He had settled the point which had been worrying his mind, and doubtless considered himself established as a man of sentiment in my opinion. Before we had finished our morning stroll, he was singing, as blithe as a grasshopper whistling to his dogs, and telling droll stories. And I recollect that he was particularly facetious that day at dinner on the subject of matrimony, and uttered several excellent jokes, not to be found in Joe Miller, that made the bride-elect blush and look down, but set all the old gentlemen at the table in a roar, and absolutely brought tears into the General's eyes. End of chapter 19 Recording by Maria Casper